Truth Espresso, episode 115. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hi there, Truth Espresso listeners and those checking in and seeing what's going on. And this is your host, Daniel Minnick, and. We are coming at you with episode 115. It's hard to believe that we're over 100 episodes, never mind episode 115. But my wife Chelsea is back. My sweet, beautiful wife Chelsea is back to talk with me and co-host. I might as well just call you a co-host by now and just say, you know, when I'm going solo and stuff. You know, so, you know, I'm going to upgrade your status from frequent guest to co-host host and then you know i should then just say when i'm going solo this time (laughs) uh, uh, welcome back sweetheart to truth espresso well you're ready to talk about uh, something it's it's a little break from our series on marriage although you know it's not like it's a completely dissimilar topic here because we're going to talk about abortion yes we've talked about abortion before we had a series on abortion related topics way back in the episode 40s and 50s But given the current landscape, some current news, and some of our own experience, I think it's apropos to talk about abortion. So, sweetheart, you're ready to cover this um, hot-button, sensitive, and political topic? (laughs) Yes, let's go for it. And so we are mostly going to talk about um, what is affectionately called the abortion pill in this episode, and um, then some of our experience dealing with that great Satan, Planned Parenthood, (laughs) but um, uh, kind of the topic of the abortion pill kind of spills over to that. But first of all, let's um, kind of disseminate some of the political lingo when they refer to abortions as miscarriages or miscarriages as abortions, because sometimes we see things referring to abortions as planned or medical miscarriages and then miscarriages as I don't know what you call it like involuntary abortions or something like that I know I've, I've read articles that would kind of do that to blur the lines between abortion and miscarriage but we know that they're not the same thing you know intentional versus intentional but there's differences in how the body handles it and so on so sweetheart what do you have to say about that what's the difference between abortion and miscarriage and how should we not confuse the two (laughs) yes i think this is a great place to start in making that distinction between a miscarriage and an actual abortion 
And like you said, there is a lot of propaganda out there that kind of confuses both of the terms, even just being in the medical field. When we ask a woman if they've experienced a miscarriage or not, the terminology is, yes, therapeutic abortion or spontaneous abortion. Mm -hmm. So they both have the word abortion in there. So that can kind of blur the line for some people are like, wait, what? I've never had an abortion. Well, spontaneous abortion is supposed to reference a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So yes, we want to clarify the difference between the two of them. And also for anyone that is listening who has experienced either a miscarriage or an abortion, and you're just struggling with how that has affected you or how that's affected you as a partner, there are great resources out there and we can put some of those in the show notes for you to please reach out and get help and there's um, wonderful support out there for you. And just to plug that in right quick. Um, mm-hmm. So differentiating between those two terms. So an abortion is the intentional ending of the life of the baby in the pregnancy. So that's either through a medication, which we're going to talk about today, or it can be done surgically. And I mean, there's other means for it too, but those are the two most common methods. And then a miscarriage is where your body, for some reason, is not able to sustain the pregnancy. So it naturally ends the pregnancy on its own. Hmm. You haven't done anything to induce it. Granted, there are lifestyle choices that can increase your risk mm, for that. Yes. Um, like alcohol is a known risk factor that could make a miscarriage more likely. But again, it's not the intentional inducing of an abortion or inducing the ending of that life. So a miscarriage, your body naturally is not able to sustain the pregnancy and then you go through the miscarriage process. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you are. And when you say that when when a miscarriage happens, uh, you know, the body is, you said, naturally uh, because it can't sustain it. So it's a woman's body is like in some ways like rolling back the hormones <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. necessary for sustaining a pregnancy because it can't. But an abortion is an abrupt <laughs> end to a pregnancy, an intentional one where the body is kind of <laughs> shocked into going what happened here and then you know there could be complications from that and so yeah despite the propaganda you know an intentional abortion isn't the same as a miscarriage whether biologically or morally (laughs) i think one article that i saw the pro-abortion side actually says an abortion is just like a miscarriage your body doesn't know the difference and Mm. if you don't feel comfortable telling your provider that you had an abortion you could just tell them that you had a miscarriage because there's no test to see if you ever had an abortion or not especially with the pill And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was just interesting that they would expound on that so much as to how you can even cover up the fact that you had an abortion. Yeah, so that's just one of many factors that will skew the statistics on abortion, which I know we're going to talk about that a little later. So abortion is not the same as miscarriage, and... So, in particular, we want to talk about um, the abortion pill because that's 
become a major thing given the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of the politics surrounding the availability, especially early on when things were locked down. The abortion clinics wanted to make sure that they were allowed to be open even when churches are not and certain kinds of businesses and some stores were not allowed to because abortion is essential. (laughs) Unlike other things or even someone's job that helps them support their family. But abortion, of course, is essential in the minds of some people. So what is this abortion pill? Because there are different pills. There's different contraceptives um, that are in pill form. So we are, some people have heard of the morning after pill, and then there's also uh, the abortion pill. Are these the same thing, or are they different, and what's the difference between them? Right. Great question, because it is a little bit confusing. So there is a difference between the abortion pill and the morning after pill. The morning after pill is a medication that you can get over the counter and it comes in all sorts of different names. Um, Plan B is one of them. And that one you have to take within 72 hours of unprotected intercourse. And that works if you did conceive, then it causes an abortion. But there isn't really a way of testing if you're pregnant or not when you take that. So that one's definitely ethically one of those out there that you see Christians on both sides of it. And some say it's okay because you don't really know if you're pregnant. And others say, no, it's not okay because life begins at conception. You shouldn't be taking anything that could interfere with that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the morning after pill. So if you think about morning after, like mm-hmm. it has to yeah. be really close to the time where they're conception was possible and compared to the abortion pill or also called uh, mifeprestone or the laboratory term for it is RU486 so you can hear a few different terms for the abortion pill also chemical abortion is another one you might see as well and that you can take and it's usually taken further along in the pregnancy after a woman has found out she's pregnant. So usually around six weeks, uh, she'll get her first positive pregnancy test. And then you can take this pill all the way up to 10 weeks is what the FDA says. But most providers will allow up to 11, 12. And I was seeing like some will even do it up to 16 weeks. Whoa. But the further along you are, then the more likely there's going to be complications. So that's the abortion pill. And the abortion pill has actually two different medications that you take. And the first one is called mefeprestone. And that works by blocking progesterone receptors. And progesterone is the necessary hormone to help sustain the pregnancy, especially during those first few weeks. It increases tremendously, and that's how the baby gets its nutrients. So by blocking that, the mifeprestone is causing the baby to not get adequate nutrients, so the baby will actually die during that process. And then the second medication is called mesoprostol, or more commonly called cytotech. Now, this one's kind of an interesting one. So it works by inducing cramping in the case of abortion to expel the now dead baby after taking the mifeprestone. 
um, Cytotec actually was originally not labeled for use in pregnancy because of it causing intense cramping. Mm But it is pretty common in medical practice that we will use what's called off-label uses for different medications. And there's usually some good evidence that this is effective and this is safe. So with the Cytotec, you actually will see that used in labor when the mom is getting close to delivering her baby. And Cytotec can be used to kind of get labor going. And that will induce the contractions to help her deliver her baby. So side attack is used in that instance or also in a miscarriage situation where the mom may not have completely miscarried mm-hmm. the entire pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And or if it's kind of taking a little bit longer, um, the side attack can kind of help move that process along. So again, with a miscarriage, you're not actively killing the baby in the process if you're taking the side attack just to help move that natural process along. And then in labor, you're trying to give birth to your baby. So <laughs> it's one of those that's used for good things oh, and yes. bad things. So just wanted to kind of clarify both sides of it with that medication. And so, again, with back to the abortion pill part of it, that one is used to induce cramping, so you expel the uh, deceased baby now. Yeah, so in short, with the abortion pill, the mifepristone is uh, the one that kills the baby by starving it of progesterone to, uh, to sustain it. And then the second one, misoprostol or Cytotec, same thing, is uh, basically used then to get rid of the now dead baby. So, And that's different from the morning after pill, which, as you said, it may or may not be an abortifacient, but we would recommend that people not take that right because <laughs> mm-hmm. because since it can be an abortifacient we don't recommend anyone take things that may or may not cause an abortion we shouldn't seek to get rid of a pregnancy at all costs you know even but sweetheart what about reversing the uh abortion pill you probably have something to say about that yay thanks for asking me about that oh (laughs) yes so yes an amazing thing has happened over the last decade here where doctors have discovered that if we give a mom doses of progesterone if she has taken the abortion pill already and decides that she made a mistake or she's regretting what she has done, that we can actually use progesterone to reverse the effects of the abortion pill. And there have been over a thousand babies safely gone to term and delivered now since they have discovered this protocol for using progesterone in that, which is amazing. And Heartbeat International heads up the abortion pill reversal hotline so women can reach out if they regret what they did. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, women feel a lot of pressure to make a decision about abortion and they feel like that decision has to be made right then and then they go through with taking the abortion pills and then they're like wait what did I just do so it's amazing that we have this opportunity to help these women who regret their decision and want to offer life to their baby 
And of course, with this protocol, it is getting quite a bit of flack (laughs) (laughs) the pro-choice side of it. And they're saying like it's not FDA approved and it's, you know, not safe and all sorts of stuff. But we know from tons of research, because it's been used since the 1960s, that Mm -hmm. progesterone is actually really safe in pregnancy. And we use that to help women who have had recurrent miscarriages Mm -hmm. to actually be able to carry their babies to term or if they've had preterm labor then we can use progesterone to help them carry their baby i know like myself and mm, quite a yeah. few other women who actually had to take progesterone mm. to keep their babies going early on and it is an amazing medical discovery and so yes just keep praying that we can get the word out for the abortion pill reversal and just really help these women yeah, since we are, you're on the network there for Heartbeat International, right? So, yes. you know, if someone in the state of Colorado needs uh, help with this, you know, you are actually in the network to provide that. <laughs> yeah. So what about the statistics related to this abortion pill, the RU-46, also known as Mifepristone, or uh, most commonly the Mifeprex brand that FDA has approved? According to the Guttmacher Institute, you know, that bastion of all things moral, no. <laughs> uh, the Guttmacher Institute uh Isn't it uh, kind of associated with Planned Parenthood? Okay, (laughs) that's what I thought. According to the Guttmacher Institute, almost 40% of abortions are now using the pill. Provide a link to that in the show notes. But the statistics cited there for where they got this are 2019 at the latest. But then here's where COVID-19 comes in. So response to the COVID-19 pandemic with various lockdowns, as we mentioned earlier, and then telemedicine ushered in, made more common now. I guess that has its upsides, but of course, when it comes to abortion, it definitely has its downsides. But telemedicine has its limited uses, and it has certainly increased chemical abortions or abortions using the abortion pill that we're talking about here. So I'm sure once we get more updated statistics, it's going to be far above 40%, and I'm sure that the trend is not going to stop once COVID-19 At some point, you know, who knows when uh, we're going to get back to some semblance of normal once that all ends. I'm sure that the trend of the chemical abortion is going to stay pretty high. Yeah, I saw one statistic, and I can't remember if it was Planned Parenthood or a telehealth provider that offers the chemical abortion, but they were saying that the percentage of use for chemical abortion during 2020 went up to 70%. So 70% of women in 2020 used a chemical abortion. So Hmm. we'll see if that statistic was accurate or... And also, just to kind of point out the inaccuracy of the statistics, is that a lot of states, uh, California, New oh, York, yes. some of the bigger <laughs> states yeah, that offer abortions almost. are not required to report any abortion statistics. Yeah, and wasn't it there's like 16 states that are not required to report even complications from abortion. So, yeah, the statistics on abortion are far from what happens in real life. 
And so that does pose a problem, especially when we talk about answering the next question, which is, is the abortion pill safer than Tylenol? And some other things. Um, there are pro-abortion advocates that seem to make this claim. I've seen this claim in several articles that I've read. And here are some citations. Cecil Richards, who was the former CEO of Planned Parenthood, wrote an article in 2018 for the LA Times called Conservatives are Fighting to Roll Back Abortion Rights and They're Winning But Not for Long. So to quote Cecil Richards in this article, she says, quote, approved by the Food and Drug Administration in 2000, non-invasive medical abortion is safe by all measures, safer than Tylenol and Viagra even. That's why many women choose it over surgical abortion, which is already one of the safest medical procedures, unquote. And so she's saying that basically, you know, don't want to be too graphic, but vacuuming or cutting a baby and taking it out is safe for the woman the mother too one of the safest procedures and we know that's not true i know we've talked about that in an earlier episode of truth espresso so building upon that the idea that chemical abortions or abortions taken with the abortion pill earlier on in pregnancy are is safer than tylenol and some other things that are over the counter cecil richards argues <laughs> Does he have anything to say about this, sweetheart? <laughs> oh, this part is what frustrates me a lot being a healthcare provider because we are supposed to give our clients as much information and as accurate of information as possible. And this is where Planned Parenthood and a lot of the major abortion industries really downplay the complications associated with the abortion pill. But if you actually look at more of the kind of accurate statistics that we can figure out that there's actually more complications with the abortion pill than with surgical abortion. So you would think, you know, surgical abortion, you would have more risks and there are a lot of risks with Mm, that. But the abortion pill even has more risks than the actual procedure. But that's not what we're hearing from Planned Parenthood and these abortion providers. They're saying that it's safer than taking Tylenol. (laughs) And we've already seen that there's at least what's reported there have been at least 20 fatalities associated with the abortion pill and a number of complications. And again, that's what's reported because in 2016, Obama's administration actually weakened some of the restrictions on reporting complications or deaths associated with the abortion pill. So we really don't have accurate numbers on what those complications would look like. And they should not be advertising that it is something that's safe when it's not. And especially with this push of trying to do it with telehealth and ultimately just by mailing it to someone where you wouldn't even have to do any interaction with a healthcare provider raises a whole new level of safety concerns. And I think that we as women need to stand up against this Mm -hmm. and think about our sisters and our daughters and what are we going to be teaching them about these risks and actually getting truth out there and not all these lies that keep going around. 
Yeah, and just to make sure we get in our full position here, you know, when we're talking about the risks associated with abortion pill, uh, Chelsea and I are 100% pro-life. You know, we're not just against the pill because it's a risk to women, but (laughs) we're against any and all abortions. And I know Andrew Rappaport on the uh, Apologetics Live has interviewed some people who make the case for uh, what's called abolition of abortion. And I would say that we fall in line with that, that sentiment there. I mean, I know some people who have called themselves abolitionists have like harassed churches of the church repent type thing and have caused some ruckus there. But despite that type of um, haggling, you know, we can consider ourselves abolitionists or 100% pro-life and a lot of people in the pro-life movement they call incrementalist and stuff they may not be 100% or don't try to support getting rid of abortion with the idea that life begins at conception so just throwing that in to make sure that our listeners understand because we've talked about this in earlier episodes but if you haven't uh, listened to those uh, episodes 48 through 50 something (laughs) you look in the archives for truth press so we talk about that so just to make sure you know we don't believe that abortion is warranted in any case just as i said we don't advocate anything that would even risk being an abortion like the morning after pill and so we 100 percent are against abortion but it also stands to point out you know it is an issue to point out which corresponds with that idea that abortion providers with this abortion pill if you don't value human life as it comes into this world as uh, being in the image of god uh, you don't value nature that god has created with procreation it stands to reason that you're not going to completely value even life outside the womb such as the health and safety of women and so if an abortion in industry is all about making money uh, they're not going to care much about the health and safety of women even giving them abortion products uh, such as this abortion pill hey i'm daryl and i'm here with my wife karen what's up and we're the host of the what are we even doing here podcast the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all ask what are we even doing here We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. So I did see, sweetheart, this uh, article from nwhn.org, uh, of the National Women's Health Network. Of course, they're, yeah, you know, they're very pro-abortion. Yes. Uh, so they have an article. I'll put the link to it in the show notes, but I have a quote. It says, fewer than four people out of a thousand will have serious complications requiring hospitalization, infusion, or surgery. 
To put that into perspective, acetaminophen, or parentheses Tylenol, is the foremost cause of acute liver failure in the U.S., sometimes accounting for nearly 25% of emergency department visits per year, unquote. So what they're trying to say is when you put things into perspective with the statistics of how many deaths at least have been reported uh, from the abortion pill, Tylenol has a much poorer track record and they link to an article claiming that about 25% of emergency department visits every year are caused by Tylenol. So why, if we just discard the issue of the life of the unborn and that children in the womb shouldn't be killed and we just think of the women, what about that? Is mifeprestone safer than Tylenol? (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's just a totally inaccurate statement Mm, um and i just find it interesting because i would kind of like to see more of their statistics for the emergency room tylenol admissions (laughs) because that's like one of the more common ways of self-harm or Mm. an attempt at suicide is they're taking Tylenol. So I just wonder if that's part of the statistics there. It is. (laughs) I I did actually, you know, they had that part linked, but they seem to trust that the readers, especially readers who want that information to pat them on the back and say, don't worry, this is, you know, doing good. You click on the link and yeah, it's all about involuntary or voluntary overdoses of Tylenol. And it does mention, you know, like intense intentional overdoses. So if you're going to compare apples to apples here, then when you take two Tylenol instead of one, is that usually what an overdose of Tylenol is for intentional overdoses? Or do people like swallow the bottle you know, and throw away the cap, or basically? Yeah, I think, I mean, intentional overdose, it kind of depends on what that person's mindset is when they're attempting it. Mm. Like sometimes it can be they want to, but they're not quite sure. So they may not take as many pills or they'll just be like, okay, maybe I'll just take double of what it says. So Mm. I think that part of it can kind of vary. Yes. Or a lot of times if it's unintentional, it's just people aren't really aware of Tylenol being in other products. The most common is in Mm. cough syrup or cold over-the-counter syrups because a lot of those actually have acetaminophen or, like you said, Tylenol in it. And then they end up taking Tylenol, the pill form too, and they don't realize that was in both of those. So they could unintentionally overdose that way as well. Yeah. So if you want to compare, yeah, this is from overdose and they're comparing the safety of a prescribed. We hand you the amount that you have, like one pill (laughs) that you take versus getting a bottle of Tylenol pills over the counter and, you know, not following procedure there properly. But if we're to compare apples to apples, what would happen if someone overdosed on mifeprestone? Like just taking the one pill, uh, they already tell you that it's going to result in cramping and bleeding, you know, so, and that's from one pill, right? One. Mm -hmm. So what would happen if you take two or maybe three (laughs) of either the mifeprestone or say the misoprostol to discharge? (laughs) 
Like, what could be the complications of that kind of overdosing? Ah, uh, most likely you would bleed to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I would say, like, most commonly you'd see an overdose of the mesoprostol or the Cytotec because that one, they give you a couple pills because they're like, okay, take one. And if you don't start cramping, you can take the other one. Sometimes both of those pills aren't enough, so you have to call and get more pills prescribed. So I think that one can potentially be overdosed on more commonly. But, I mean, with it causing cramping and stuff, you can get basically what's called tachycystole, where your uterus just contracts super hard and it doesn't want to relax. And that can raise your heart rate, your uh, blood pressure. Like, Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't stop bleeding, so you'd pass out, and depending on if you're home alone or not, then mm. you may not come to, and you could die, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it mm. doesn't sound like they're making a fair comparison there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so I don't think the abortion pill is safer than Tylenol, <laughs> despite the the propaganda there. Now, what about this whole mail-in abortion stuff? You know, I think that kind of feeds off of this issue. So what is the abortion pill and is it safer than Tylenol? Well, if it's not safer than Tylenol, then what's all the hubbubaloo about sending them by mail? You know, because isn't it then possible that people could overdose? What if someone ordered from different sources a prescription of the abortion pill by mail? And, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, there's there's all kinds of issues that we could talk about with the supposed safety of taking this abortion pill without uh, proper medical supervision. So, sweetheart, what about this? I mean, so you just with telemedicine, you know, over video, you show a pregnancy test. And so they know that you're expecting and you want to terminate the pregnancy. What about ultrasounds and and stuff like that so you have some issues with ignoring the problem with the baby you know killing the baby what about the risk to the mother here with mail-in abortions and could we see statistics of complications and deaths rise as a result of the mail-in abortion pill and why would that be Yikes. <laughs> that was a lot. Oh boy. Okay. So with the mail-in abortion, this is a huge, huge problem right now. And we just, it's not something that's kind of like, oh, maybe this will happen or maybe not. They are actively, and they, I mean, ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and Planned Parenthood, and the ACLU, so many pro-choice, big <laughs> I don't know yeah. how else to describe them. <laughs> Big, Big and bad. Abortion <laughs> proponents. Um, they are all just pushing this like crazy. And with the current office leaders with mm. Biden and Kamala Harris, we've got people that really want to see abortion accessible for all women. Oh, and yes. they see that mail-in abortion is one way to make it accessible for all women, like women that live further away from doctor's offices or women that don't have access to health care, like they're not able to have a car to drive into a clinic, things like that. They're trying to reach more women with the option of an abortion. Mm -hmm. 
by offering the mail-in. And it looks different depending on what state you're in because different states have different regulations on it too. Some states require you to actually go to a clinic and you're with a healthcare provider at that clinic. So it could be your primary care provider and they did the ultrasound, they did the pregnancy test, and they're sitting there with you as you talk to the abortion provider, and then they send over the prescription for the abortion pill. So that's one way it could look. Another way is just you at your home doing the telehealth conferencing, so the video chat with the abortion provider on the other side. And yeah, they have you show your positive pregnancy test to them. <laughs> and we'll talk about some of the <laughs> safety factors with that oh, in yeah. just a minute. And then the third option is that you can just contact someone and verify that through their app that you're pregnant and you consent to have the abortion pills delivered to you and they just mail it to you. So there's kind of some variations in how all that works. Some of the safety concerns, of course, is that a pregnancy test is Mm, not definitive of your pregnancy. So it could be a false positive, so you're not pregnant. It could be a positive pregnancy test, but then in the next week or two, you actually start miscarrying. Mm. Naturally, you could have an ectopic pregnancy where the pregnancy implanted outside of the uterus, and that is actually a life-threatening situation. I know we've (laughs) talked about this before in the abortion yeah, one of the earlier episodes. I think. Yeah. So you're saying uh, over video, you know, is it, a pregnancy test is not foolproof. There's relatively high statistics for uh, a false positive, as you said. So are there any issues then with taking the abortion pill when you're not pregnant? I mean, obviously, it's like you don't then need it in serious amount of scare quotes there. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. <laughs> need it in the politically technical term there but you know is there any issues with a woman taking it like it's candy basically because she's not pregnant you know it imposes a risk on their health that wouldn't otherwise be there you know causing the the contractions and stuff like that yeah i mean hyperprestone is not something that you just want to take (laughs) randomly if you're not pregnant it's going to mess up your hormones at the very least for a little bit because again it's blocking the progesterone Mm, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there can definitely be some complications with taking it if you're not pregnant. Um, I know there was a video release of a girl trying to yeah. demonstrate how <laughs> easy it is to take the abortion pill oh, and yeah. she wasn't pregnant. In yeah, that she was just taking it kind of almost like a rehearsal type of thing or to show taking it, uh, but she wasn't pregnant and stuff. And she did mention, you know, it was painful, the cramping and bleeding and stuff like that. But, oh, yeah, it's safer than Tylenol, right? Uh, yeah. Um, And then, you know, of course, we mentioned like the risk of not having an ultrasound (laughs) to verify the location of the pregnancy. So you Mm. want to make sure that the baby's inside the womb before you do anything, (laughs) basically. And because, again, if it's outside the womb, that's going to cause its own health risk for the mom. Yeah. And then making sure it's a viable pregnancy. So making sure you didn't start miscarrying already, because if you're already miscarrying, then you don't really need, I mean, for the person who's seeking it, they wouldn't need the abortion pill 
But if they don't know that and they go ahead and take the abortion pill, yeah, yeah. but they already miscarried, mm. then they're going to be carrying that guilt around that they caused an abortion. Mm. But what if they miscarried already? You're not going to know that now because we don't need ultrasounds, supposedly, to yes. give this medication. So, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a, that's a pretty bad thing, you know, even making a mother feel guilty about killing her baby when that she didn't even do that, you know, in any intentional way there. That's <laughs> that's got to be a huge negative there. And then so if you have a miscarriage and when does your body start reducing progesterone there? And then after the miscarriage, your hormones are readjusting, right? Mm -hmm. So then as your body is reducing progesterone, now you take a pill that, you know, says to block progesterone. Couldn't that cause complications? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it could a little <laughs> bit, but I mean, my progesterone is not supposed to alter the progesterone hormone like long term. Uh, so, so it's kind of yeah. a short term thing. So that's why they say that it's safe because it's. Mm. a short-term yeah, process but, de but. but definitely with the ectopic pregnancy that's a, a huge issue now it's not like ectopic pregnancies are incredibly common but still you know having an ectopic pregnancy and you need to go to the hospital but then you're kind of you know <laughs> you've taken the mifeprestone and you're getting cramps in addition to that and if you're alone and <laughs> i see a lot of risk for death in that situation even though ectopic pregnancy will ultimately lead to it that would just make it even harder to get the care that you need i would think yeah because yeah. there are is at least I, I remember looking at the statistics there of the uh, 24 documented cases of uh, deaths as a result of taking the abortion pill at least two of them are cases of ectopic pregnancies yeah and also, again, ultrasounds help to identify how far along you are in the pregnancy. So some women can have menstrual cycles even when they're pregnant, so that can throw off their dates. Oh, and yeah. then some people have irregular menstrual cycles, so they're not even quite sure when they could have gotten pregnant. So there's a lot of different factors that can play into how far along she is in the pregnancy. And like we mentioned earlier, the further along you are and you take the abortion pill, then the higher risk of complications there are as well. Also, if it's a singleton, like one baby or multiple babies, then that can also add into the risk factors as well. And a lot of times, one of the complications is that the pregnancy is not fully expelled. Mm. And oh, yes. so some of it can be retained. That's a big issue. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the precautions for that, that the provider's supposed to do is to do a follow-up ultrasound to make sure everything was expelled. Otherwise, the mom is at risk for sepsis, like a really bad infection mm. that can kill her. Yeah. And with the telehealth, the mail-in pills, there is no follow-up ultrasound. Sometimes the woman takes the cytotec, the mesoprostol pill, and that one pill, the two pills aren't enough to start getting the cramping and contractions, so she may need more. Well, the more you take, then, like we talked earlier, then the more at risk you are for some of those more extreme complications, too, of hemorrhaging and fainting and your vital signs going crazy. <laughs> so I think that there's uh, restrictions and there's guidelines in place for mefeprostone. And they were put there for a reason because this is a medication that does have serious consequences. 
And somehow all these big abortion proponents are saying that there are no risks with it. Oh, yeah. So I looked up on rxlist.com. You know, it's a list of drugs, you know, Rx. And under their article for Mifeprex, RU486, they say, quote, about two to seven out of 100 women taking Mifeprex will need a surgical procedure because the pregnancy did not completely pass from the uterus or to stop bleeding, unquote. That seems like a significant statistic. Two to seven out of a hundred. That's two to seven percent of every woman taking Mifeprex. So where is this whole uh, idea about being safer than Tylenol come from? (laughs) Yeah. And then mailing it in (laughs) without proper care for women will only exacerbate that. I mean, you know, if people can't be trusted to take Tylenol according to prescription, how would mailing this abortifacient drug that uh, causes cramps and bleeding and has all these issues like this, you know, that require a doctor checkup and ultrasounds as a pregnancy often would <laughs> to make sure it's healthy and, and know how far along, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, your cycle and stuff like that. This doesn't sound very safe and mailing it in doesn't sound very safe either. And I know we briefly talked a little bit about opening the can of worms for misuse of <laughs> a mail-in pills also is that that provides opportunity for more coercion if there's, you know, a boyfriend or family that is putting a lot of pressure on the woman to have an abortion and she doesn't want it. Well, now they have access to getting the abortion pills and giving it to her despite what her desire is. So that, you know, is going to be huge with the human trafficking and (laughs) all sorts of stuff. And yeah, so it's just a huge mess. And again, this is not something that's kind of (laughs) they're talking about it. This is in the works. Like Mm. we need to be proactive about standing up against this. Yeah. So it's bad enough that are killing babies in the womb with this thing. But then, you know, making it so accessible like this tonight of the recording of this, uh, we noticed that there was a case in which a boyfriend tricked his girlfriend who wanted a pregnancy into taking the pill for what did he disguise it as uh so unfortunately uh, so this guy's father was a physician Mm. and so he forged his father's signature and got a side attack to give his girlfriend because he didn't want the pregnancy and He told his girlfriend that, you know, lab results came back from her doctor saying that she had a urinary tract infection and she needed to take amoxicillin and she needed to take three pills for however long it said on there. So this guy put the Cytotec pills in a pill bottle and printed out a label that said amoxicillin. Um, even though they were cytotech pills and it induced an abortion and she went into the emergency room and the doctors there were like, um, these are not amoxicillin pills. So, you know, they brought in the FBI and they investigated and he pled guilty and is going to be serving time in prison now. <laughs> but yes, just an example of how this is going to increase the likelihood of coercion like that. <laughs> 
Yes. So definitely see where, you know, you want to talk about patriarchy or male privilege or male dominance and controlling women and stuff like that. I see this whole thing. It's been that way, you know, as much as the feminists, the political left don't want to admit. But, you know, you have the issues of abusive boyfriends or even uncles or stepfathers that force the girl to go and get an abortion. I could see a lot more cases on the horizon of this kind of thing, this kind of abuse with mail-in abortion pills and forced abortions without anyone being able to supervise that. Like, it's truly tragic and sad. And this is all pushed under the guise of women's rights and reproductive liberty and stuff like that. <laughs> I just think of Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, you know, a culture of life or a culture of death where God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And, you know, with this whole abortion pill thing, the culture of death, you know, when people don't choose life, even choosing life for the unborn, it ultimately ends up choosing death for women, too. Men and women, it, it kills lots more people than people think about or plan with this kind of culture of death there. Choose life that both you and your children may live. <laughs> Well, we are going to end this episode here, and we're going to continue this topic on the next episode as we talk about some of the history of the abortion pill. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our experience at a sidewalk of a Planned Parenthood. So if that sounds intriguing, then stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso. <music> Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 